I concluded last week's message with a reference to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Um, I will be honest with you, I had all intentions this morning to expound this and show you an amazing thing. Uh, and God said, Terry, you're not paying attention again. Um, there's something else that I need to show you when I tell my children that you have been delivered from error to truth. When I tell my children that they have been delivered from sin to righteousness. When I tell my children, this is coming, you don't know it yet. From temporal to eternal kingdom. And he said, uh, you need to share this. But it does fall into the exposing of second. Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. I'm going to ask a prayer, but I want you to think about something here really quick as, as we go to the Lord before we start this study this morning. This is the second letter that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. This is the second letter of the New Testament chronologically. Okay? The first letter ever written that makes up your new covenant was 1 Thessalonians. The second letter that was ever written, making up your new covenant. Okay, that's testament. Did you know that? Testament and covenant are the same thing. Okay. Um, the second letter that was ever written um, in regards to our new covenant in Christ is 2 Thessalonians. So let's read this text and ask the Lord to help us. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit, faith in the truth. I want to put 14 in also. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, how you overwhelm me with your word, how these two verses just absolutely stagger me. And Father, I pray for the ears to hear this day. Father, I pray they hear not me, but they hear, thus saith the Lord. And Father, you do a miracle this day that no man take credit for. And your glory be magnified even more. In Christ's name, amen. And what's amazing about that verse right there? It's context. It's context. Because it, in that context, beginning in chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, he contrasts the children of the Antichrist to the children of God. And he says, let me summarize it. Know this, know this emphatically, you can tell the difference. I mean, that's, that's basically what he's saying. Those who are not saved are so easy to spot from those who are saved. Okay? That's basically how it's said. Why? You have been delivered, past tense. You were in error and in darkness. You were in the dominion of the lie. Now you're in truth. 
You were in the dominion of sin. You are now in the dominion of righteousness. Please, let me try to... In the reign of the lie, you ruled by the lie. Let me give you the the simplest illustration. The simplest illustration. Okay? Um, Your flesh. Okay? We all have this vessel that we set in here. How often have you ever satisfied it? How often? How often have you satisfied your flesh? Your flesh said, I need no more. See, you used to be in a place where the lie was, this will make my flesh satisfied. No, this will make my flesh satisfied. Well, but if I had this and this, my flesh will be satisfied. So what were you in? You were in the rule, the dominion. You were controlled by a lie. A lie. Now you have been delivered. You have been redeemed. It literally means to be rescued. You were snatched out of. You were rescued. You were drowning in the lie. Now you rest firmly where? In the truth. And you know what satisfies me now? Jesus Christ. Every instant. Did you hear what I said? Every instant. Jesus Christ satisfies. When my wife does not satisfy me, Jesus Christ satisfies me. When my job doesn't satisfy me, Jesus Christ satisfies me. When I'm overwhelmed with the things of this world, Jesus Christ satisfies me. This is for Christians only. This is what He has done. That's why the Apostle Paul says we thank God. Why? Do you believe? You are true believers. Why? Because you've been delivered. You've been delivered from error to truth. You've been delivered from sin to righteousness. Period. You're no longer in these places. I want to give two clarifications. Two clarifications. All right. One, last week I made a comment about the passion of Christ and it's not the gospel. All right. I want to clarify what I meant by that. As a Christian, when I went and seen the passion of the Christ, I understood what Jesus Christ was doing in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was being beaten, when he was crucified. I understand that completely. Does a lost person? Okay. The movie never dealt with your sin. It never once said, I am going to go do this because you are a sinner and you are separated from my Father and you can't get to my Father unless there's a perfect sacrifice and I'm willing to do that for you because you are in such a wretched place that your mouth is as an open grave. On your lips is a poison of vipers. You are quick to shed blood, innocent blood. There is none who does good, no, not one. There is none righteous, no, not one. And there is none even seeking after me. 
No, not one. If that issue is not dealt with, it is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? I don't care what the package is. It's not the gospel. Please understand that. The second thing is, a Christian being deceived. Can a Christian be deceived? No. Impossible. Well, but no. A Christian cannot be deceived. Listen, if a Christian doesn't know what the Word of God says, you know what Ram Kippur was for? The forgiveness of the sin that you didn't know you were sinning. That's what Yom Kippur is for. Why? I think my brother-in-law sinned and I hope that this dead offering will cover his blood. Why? Because they remember, remember Achan? Okay, Achan took a bar of gold. When God said, don't take a bar of gold, they went into a next battle and got their butts whooped. And the sin of the one man condemned the nation. And so Yom Kippur was set up for the sin of ignorance. The sin of ignorance. I used to believe that how could pride be a sin? I'm proud to be an American. That is the condemnation of Lucifer. Pride. I grew up the child of a Marine. The Marine Corps, uh, they have a a statement. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Period. And it is a very proud institution. They pride themselves that they're the smallest. They pride themselves that they have old, obsolete equipment. Why? Because we are the Marines. Okay? But that is the same condemnation that Lucifer is in. Okay? So... Can a Christian flesh rise up? We've been studying for two years the church in where? Corinth. All right. Here's the issue at the church in Corinth. Some were sick. Some were weak. What else had happened? Some had even died for partaking of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Why? The church had what going on in it? Pride, division, personality cults. And you know what is amazing about the church in Corinth? They didn't realize it. And thus you have 1 Corinthians doing what? Confronting a sin of ignorance. So now you're without excuse. Listen, if you willfully run into sin and you have been exposed to the truth of God and you willfully chase sin, just know this, you're not saved. A Christian will never get his fulfillment or her fulfillment from Sin. They will never have desires for sin. Are there sins of ignorance? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay? Also know this. Jesus himself says, I want to guarantee you. We were talked about, mentioned this briefly in our Sunday school class. God makes promises to us. Did you know that? I like it when God promises things to me. Don't you? Yeah? He promises in this life you will have tribulation. Yay. That's one of those uh, that you hear from the Cajuns. That thar is a gar on tea. Okay? But you know what else he promises? The wheat will be sown with the... With the what? Tear. If I don't know what this book says, 
I'm a sitting duck, ain't I? Because you know what? Your enemy, he knows what the book says. He knows what the book says. When Jesus fought Satan in the wilderness, what did he use? Scripture. So you know what that tells me? Scripture is effective. But if I don't know what the bugger says, guess what? All you have this. You have this one thing, and it just slides right into your ear hole. If you're right hand, it probably comes into your right ear. Or if you're left hand, it probably comes into your left ear. Okay, and here's what it sounds like. It's just a whisper. It's very subtle. Here's what it says. Has God said? Has He? Did He really say that? No. I misunderstood, didn't I? I, that's what it was. I misunderstood. I misunderstood. Because God wants me happy. God wants me happy. So if He wants me happy, has God said? Okay? That's your ignorance. Okay? Why? You've been delivered from the lie to the truth. Why would I keep going back to the lie? I see those who take the name who keep going back to the lie. And all you're telling me is that I am not truly saved. Listen, no one is a Christian who does not understand. No one is a Christian who does not believe. No one is a Christian who does not embrace. No one is a Christian who does not love truth. Period. Period. And it's the truth of the gospel. See, that you can't be a Christian and not be delivered out of false doctrine. It's impossible. Hear what I said. It is impossible to be a Christian and stay in false teaching. Impossible. Why? Because it has to be the truth of the doctrine, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Any other gospel, Galatians 1 says, you are only an anathema. You know what anathema is? Bad. Accursed. You are cursed. You are dead in your trespasses and sin. You can't stay there. There's times you may not understand why. You, you just don't feel right. Second John verse 9 says, Anyone who does not abide in the teaching of Christ. Okay, let me give you a, a, a terryism on does not abide in the teaching of Christ. Who doesn't settle down into the true teachings of Scripture does not have God. Okay? Did you get that? Does not have God. Anything short of that is an anathema. So when I talk about this and I say, we as Christians, the life of grace, when we sing amazing grace, do you realize what you're really singing? I've been delivered from a lie to truth. I've been delivered from sin into righteousness. Okay, last week it said, I, I shared with you Romans 6 verse 17. It says you became obedient from where? The heart. Something happened when you got saved. If you're truly saved today, you've got to understand this. And I am just flat out going to press a point today. If you got saved, something happened and it is not external. It is internal. It is internal. It happened. You became obedient where? From the heart, 
from the heart. That's the core of your being. That's where your attitude is. That's where your action is. That's where you think things. That's that place that has no access to anybody but you. Just you. But there's something I want to show you. Because, see, you can have these things go through your brain and that heart where your mind processes information. And you may never share them with a single person. And yet, you know what? Out of the mouth speaks the heart. Okay? Now, I want want to challenge every single one of you today. That has been my prayer this whole week. It's been a tough week for me. And all I knew is I was on my knees and I was wrestling with a message that I wanted to deliver and I was wrestling with the message that God says it's time to deliver. Okay? And then you throw the stuff that we all have to deal with. Um, I work several different other jobs now instead of just studying and praying and preaching and all that other stuff. And so, you know, I do the same thing you do. My weeks this week were starting at 6 a.m. And I think the earliest I got to bed was about 10, 30, 11 o'clock this week. Okay? Long week. A blast. A blast. He says, I'll let you run and you'll not get tired. And I kept saying, you promised. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you promised. If I start getting cranky, it's your fault. You know how well that works. Let me take you to a dear friend of mine. Precious friend of mine. Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Chapter 36 is where I want to start. Ezekiel 36 is speaking of a new covenant. A new covenant. Um, Ezekiel's writing during the captivity of the nation of Israel. Um, And Ezekiel is prophesying. He is a prophet of God. You know what a prophet of God is, right? He comes from God to the people. And basically, a priest takes the people to God. A prophet says, takes God to the people and says, this is what's happening. Here's why. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 is where I want to start. And it says this, and this is Ezekiel the prophet speaking for God. All right? The quotations that he is giving is, Thus saith the Lord. This is what God is saying. Okay, let me read this to you. Then I will, okay, I in this text will be God. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from... What's your Bible say next? Mine says all. Right? Mine says all. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. Okay, we started when I moved into this text about three or four weeks ago. I said there would be a deliverer come out of Zion, Romans 11. And what did you guys reply? I asked you, has the deliverer come? And you said yes. That deliverer is being prophesied here by the prophet Isaiah or Ezekiel. In 36, he's talking about a new covenant. A new covenant, he means nothing like you've ever seen before. This is one that is new. Okay? You have a new covenant, 
And it will be with his people. And here's how it will look. I will sprinkle water on you and you will be in the process of being cleaned. Though you will be clean. And I will cleanse you from all of your and your idols. What's going to happen when you get saved? You are clean. Did you get that? Do you know something that isn't there that you and I like to say is there? I like to say I am being cleaned. Peter, now let's be realistic. Peter, too many of us can relate to Peter, huh? Right? I'm on it, I'm off of it. I'm on it, I'm off of it. I'm on it, I'm off of it. Before the cross... Please get this. Before the cross, they are partaking in what you and I know as communion or the Lord's table. Jesus takes a towel. He wraps it around his waist. And he takes a bowl. And what does he do? And he gets to that wonderful man, Peter. And say, Peter, I want to wash your feet. And Peter's response just like you and I would have, because we're all to understand that. You ain't washing my feet. Why? Feet washing slave is the least slave in the whole house. You are my Lord. And you ain't washing my feet. What was Jesus' response? If I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. What was Peter's response? Give me a bath. <laughs> What was Jesus' response after that? Now hear this. Too many in the church today know, but don't believe. Okay? That's sort of like six inches. Here I know, here I believe. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. What was Jesus' response when he told Peter... When Peter said, wash me, you are already, what? Clean. You understand that? Do you know why? Wait a minute. How can he already be clean if he hasn't been crucified? In what? The truth. He had been delivered from the lie into the truth. Already. He already believed it was thus saith the Lord. He says, but understand, where you're walking, every once in a while you're going to need to have your old toes scrubbed. Right? What does Ezekiel say? What's going to happen when you get saved? You are clean from what? All filthiness. You know how you can spot it? Out of the heart. Speaks the mouth. Out out of the mouth speaks the heart, right? That's the first thing, people. Grab it. And then it gets beyond that. Well, the first thing everybody says, well, he just doesn't cuss anymore. Nope, 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 nope. Okay, now I'm not saying go ahead and keep cussing. That's not what I'm saying. What is the focus of your conversation? 
Christ. Truth. Christ. Truth. Or truth in Christ. Or it might be Jesus and truth in Christ. And Christ and truth in Jesus. And just go down the line. Okay? Which is it? What is the focus of the conversation? Why? Because they have been removed. Let me ask you a question here. In Ezekiel verse 25, who's doing this? God is. How successful is it, you suppose? Oh, shoot. I was going to watch that one and I missed. How successful is he? Okay, now let me ask you a question. You can acknowledge that with your intellect today, but let me ask you a serious question. you believe that? Then the second question, I always have a part B to my questions. My wife hates it when I do that. Because we all say, amen, I believe that. I said, does your life show it? Have you been cleansed? See, they call that, the theologians call that a washing of regeneration. The washing of the water of the word. How successful was it? Absolutely. Why? He had Isaiah prophesy of it. He had Jeremiah prophesy of it. He had Ezekiel prophesy of it. He says, let me tell you something, guys. This is coming. He told Abraham that it was coming. Verse 26 says, moreover, I'll give you what? Grab this. I want you to grab this. Okay? I want you to move. I have been praying passionately for all who would hear this message today that this would move from knowing to believing. I can't do this for you. I want you to believe this. Verse 26 says, I will give you a new heart. Remember what Romans 6.17 said? You became obedient from the heart. See, the prophet here is trying trying to tell us, he's telling us about the very seat of our thoughts. He's talking to us about the seat, the very core of our feelings, the very birthplace of emotions, the very creational area in the human being where attitude comes from. And he says that very core, that very center of that being where his thinking, his processing actions, his character, his nature, I'm going to remove the old and put in a new one. It's all going to be new. Okay? Who did that? Let me ask you a question. Is that radical? Listen, when a person gets saved, can you know? Good gosh, read that. What does it say? Do you believe? Do you believe? Romans 6, 2 says, you've been sort of buried with Christ. We're going to slowly dig a hole. You're going to dig a hole, but we're going to give you a really small spoon to do it. So you can be buried with Christ. You have been buried with Christ. You have been raised with Christ to walk in newness. You know what newness means? Like never existed before. You know, you heard my illustration. You know, you can go out and buy a new car. That's not a new car. There's always been cars since Henry Ford came up with the Model A. 
Okay, right? Okay, to buy something new, I went out and bought a new hovercraft. I'm talking about a hovercraft that floats above the air. Like one has never existed before. Okay, that would be a new mode of transportation. Okay, if you, we were all riding horses and we come up to a car, that would be something new, something that never had been. This is new. This is new. There is a new character. There is a new nature. There is a new heart. Look, now look. I want to show you this. Look what it says. Because a bunch of you people know this. But I'm afraid there may be some in this room today who don't believe this. Look what he says here. I'm going to put a new heart in you. And I'm going to put a what in you? A new spirit. Look at verse 27 says. Let me tell you about the spirit. What does it say? Whose spirit? Did you know that the spirit was evolved in the creation event? Sounds so trivial, doesn't it? The creation event. Time was created. So trivial. Matter was created. Space was created. Galaxies, stars, angels, man, animals, camels, chickens, and petrified dinosaur poo. If you don't believe me, I have some on my desk. Okay? You think I'm kidding you. Dude. Go in there and look at it. It sits right there. If you walk into my office you smell an odor, know that it's about 14 billion years old. According to man, God says it's about 5,000. Anyway, so that's why mine smells stronger. <laughs> 5,000 year old poo smells stronger than 14 billion year old poo. I'm going to remove the heart. Uh, there's a hard heart. There's a heart of stone that extends in there. There is a thing that used to be in you, in me. That could not sense righteousness. Had no idea what righteousness was. Had no idea what godliness was. Had no idea what truth was. And I'm going to receive a tender heart. I'm going to receive a sensing heart. He says, I'm going to put a new spirit in you. Here's a new spirit. Now grab this and think about this for a second. We've heard about the spirit of man. What's the spirit of God like? You ever think about that? And ask yourself a simple question. Does the Spirit of God have the ability to overpower your spirit? Not only does He have the power to overpower yours, He buried that sucker with Jesus Christ. The Spirit is in you is who? Only one been raised from the dead and you ain't Him. The newness of life is who? Christ. Period. What's the qualifier? Are none. You have been overwhelmed, overtaken, beat like the red-headed stepchild. You are now only a manifestation of the spirit of the living God. Now tell me how I can't spot a Christian. In this text, tell me. Well, you just don't understand. I remember when they 
walked an aisle. I remember them crying. I remember, I remember them baptizing. They shook all over when they got baptized. And I remember this. Let me tell you something. If they get their desires, if they get their fulfillment, they get their longings fulfilled by sin, they never were saved. Period. Because this text right here shoots all of it in the water. It's gone. He doesn't say, I'm thinking about replacing your heart. I have. You have been cleansed from all filthiness and unrighteousness. You already have been. And it is going to be so sealed, I am going to remove your old nasty heart of stone and I'm putting in a new one. And I'm going to seal it Not with an angelic spirit. I am going to seal it with my spirit. My spirit who wrote the word of God. He says, I'm going to put my spirit in you and your statutes will be where? Where will God's statutes be? Where? In your heart. Why? The author's there. Why do we struggle with this? I will put my spirit within you, verse 27, and cause you to walk. And cause you to walk in my statutes. Where does it start? Inside. And guess what happens? And you will be careful, he says. You will be careful to do what? Observe, obey. You know what that means? I'm seeing it. I'm listening to it. I'm hearing it. Listen, if you have trouble, you don't want to read your Bible, or I read my Bible when the preacher opens his, guess what? Are you saved? Because the author of Scripture is in your now heart. Your very soul has been overtaken. You've been buried with Christ to walk in the newness. Listen, you've got to understand the verbiage of this. He's not talking about a process. You get saved, it is already there. There is a time of ignorance. But if you start saying, I just love being stupid, you're not saved. You should crave the pure spiritual milk of the Word as to Grow in it, Peter says. I love it. We all want to identify with Peter, the prophet with the foot-shaped mouth. I'm just like him. Whenever I'm close to Jesus, I'm invincible. I turn my around just for a second, and I become this donkey for Christ. And that's the way Peter was, and we all want to do that. Peter says, Crave pure spiritual milk of the Word as which you must grow by it. You know how it's come I crave... The church, because God has given gifts to men and then given gifted men to the church, so what? I can grow by it. I can grow by it. And I see people who play, play flip it with the church. And when they play flip it with the church, I have to ask one simple question. You're telling me the bride of Christ is not important to you. Well, you know, it's, it's that woman. Okay? You're telling me the body of Christ isn't important to you. You're telling me that the manifestation of Jesus Christ is not important to you. I can only have one conclusion. 
Hang on. Listen, do you understand that when it comes to church discipline, okay, a person is caught in sin, okay, and you catch them. You find that person, man, I caught you. Come on, I'll help you walk with it. And they refuse to repent, okay? You go and you take a witness, right? Not necessarily a witness to go catch them in a sin, but to see the response to confronting them the second time, right? All right? And that has no effect on them. Right? You know what your response is to do next? Bring it before the church and have them removed from the church. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You kick them out of the church. Separate from them. Have no fellowship with them. Thessalonians says don't even eat with them. That seems, no. But he says you treat them as an unbeliever. As a what? As an unbeliever. You know why? What is the characteristic of an unbeliever? They love sin. They love their sin. And you treat them as an unbeliever, which means that every time you see them, you share the gospel with them. Jesus is willing to forgive you. Are you willing to repent? It's not difficult. Why do we make it so complicated? Oh, uh, you just don't understand. No, 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 no. It's very simple. Why? Because I don't see the heart of stone gone. And it doesn't say that you're going to have two hearts. You know, the heart of stone and the heart. No, 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 it doesn't say that. And he says, not only that, I'm going to put a new spirit in you. Why? Your spirit is just really rank. Kind of on the putrid side. So get rid of it. Make it dead. Here's one of the things that I think that we miss. Remember when Eve ate of the fruit and Adam said, oh, it does look good. Okay. And the key catch to it, okay, is that you will surely die. Okay? So Eve brings the fruit up, whatever it was, brings this fruit up, and it has a bite out of it. And we all say, well, see, she didn't die. No, 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 no. She did. Instantaneously. Just like that, she died. You know how I know they died? They literally thought they could go hide from God. As soon as they partake of that fruit, they spiritually died. Instantaneous. Just like God said, you will surely die. Okay? When it speaks of being buried with Christ, what's he talking about? I now have a spirit that is Alive. What was my old spirit like? Your old spirit, when you were in the dominion of the lie, what was that spirit like? It was dead to the things of God. Absolutely. It wasn't in the process of dying. It wasn't thinking about dying. It wasn't in the process of rotting. That sucker was dead. It had no idea about the things of God. It could care less about the things of God. And not only that, it thought it could make up things of God. And that's where they lived. That's where some of you in this room used to live. Now, I have the spirit of the living God indwelling me. Period. He's not in the process of indwelling me. He's not trying to figure out where I'm at so he can indwell me. He is already there. He's taken up residence in... 
he is telling my spirit, sit down and shut up. And anytime I have a conflict, it's because my spirit says, I won't do that. And the spirit of the living God slowly just whispers and says, oh, you forgot. You've been bought and paid for with a price. You are not your own. So, think about it. Were you there when he flung the galaxies, the stars into the heavens? Were you there when he laid the foundations of the earth? And your counsel means what to him? Right? Some, some of us work outside. Don't we hate it when the, the co-worker comes up and tells us their opinion? Huh? Right? Let me tell you what I'm thinking or how I feel about it or what I think about it. Don't you hate that? So why would you go tell God your opinion? And yet we're all guilty of it. Well, I just think that... Oh... Why? You have a new heart. You have a new spirit. He says, I'm going to change you. I'm going to make a radical transformation. I'm going to start from the inside. And guess what? It will be seen. Why? You will walk in my statutes. My law will be upon your soul. You know how? You will live in that land, verse 28. I gave to your forefathers and you will be my people and I will be your God. You know what the literal Hebrew translation of that is? Devoted. I, your God, will be devoted to you, and you, my people, will be devoted to me. Let me tell you something. I can spend 30 minutes with you and very quickly tell you what you are devoted to. Very, very quickly tell you what you are devoted to. And a child of God has a new heart, has a new spirit, and they are devoted to the God, their Savior. And you know what? You can see in them, their God is devoted to them. And you can spot it. I spotted it across great avenues of Moscow. You can spot the people in Moscow who are saved because they walk in hope. Christian, the spirit of truth moves you from error to truth. That same spirit, that spirit of holiness. You sang it this morning. Did it move you? It should have moved. It should have shook you to the core of your marrow. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. It should have overwhelmed you. Because that spirit of holiness has moved you from sin to righteousness. Same, his people. Remember, you will call his name Jesus. Why? He will save his people from sin. He saved you from sin's power. He saved you from sin's dominion. It is broken. It is shattered. It is non-existent entity in the child of God. It isn't that you're perfect. It isn't that you're perfect. But you now have a nature 
that is not drawn to sin. Period. Romans 11. Remember, the deliverer comes. He will take away what? Sin. 6.14 of Romans. Sin doesn't have mastery over you anymore. Do you know what that means? Ever. It's gone. Kaputa. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. What does that mean? I'm working on being new. No, you are new. The old is gone. The new has come. Already has. It's already there. Sin should make you uncomfortable. Listen, I see the church today very uncomfortable with everybody else's sin. But they're not uncomfortable with their own. What's wrong with that picture? Three kinds of faith exist in the planet Earth. Three kinds of faith exist in the planet Earth. You guys go look it up. James chapter 2 talks about it. There is a faith that without works. And James says that faith is dead. You know what that means? It's dead. It isn't a Christian who isn't working. It is a dead man. You know what that means, right? Let me make it simple for you. Unbeliever. Okay? They may know the Bible. But they don't do anything. The Bible has no bearing over them. Guess what? Dead. Zilt. Nada. Okay? Second kind of faith. He says, you believe there's one God. That's good. That's real good, James says. I believe there's one God. But you know what? So do demons. And they're smart enough to be afraid of it. Okay? There's a second kind of faith. What is that? A demonic faith. Okay? Roman Catholicism. Sorry. This is on the air. Sorry. Roman Catholicism is a demonic. Listen, a false religious system is not man's created system. It is a demon created system. That's what the Bible says. Please understand that. A person who lives in a false gospel is following the doctrine of demons, the teachings of demons. I don't care if they do bring the Bible to bear on it. Then there's the faith of Abraham. And I like it because he concludes the end of that chapter with the faith of Rahab. I like Rahab. I like Rahab. Why? The news had gone into Jericho. The Jews have crossed the Jordan River. They crossed it bone dry and it's in its flood phase. Tell me, the God of the Jews is among them and they're coming this way. In light of this evidence, I believe. And I'm going with them. How much of the Bible do you suppose Rahab knew? Rahab knew more than Abraham. There wasn't one for Abraham. Do you know that? Who wrote the Bible? Moses. That's a few years later. 440 years later. But when God said Abraham, what did Abraham respond? Well, I wonder what he meant by that. Was he parsing the Hebrew or the Greek in this terminology? Was he talking about a cultural thing? Was he talking about an issue? That When God told Abraham to do something, what was Abraham's response? Okay. Now listen, I'll give you Abraham's faith did what? Grow. 
When he left Ur, he took everything with him. <laughs> all right? In case we get out there and get hungry. We don't really know where we're going. We better take it all. Right? And he took his nephew because how many heirs did he have? And, but you see the process of God proving to Abraham God's faithfulness. And Abraham believed that when he was 100 years old, he had a child. A few years after that, God said, offer your child to me. And what was Abraham's response? No problem. Why? Abraham said, man, you know what? What I've been through here, you can raise him from the dead. You can raise him from the dead. So I want to show you something. Do you see what God has done? Do you see what you should be doing? Listen, if you sit in this church today and you are concerned about your faith, your position before Christ, you should be. You should be. Because if in your soul you're concerned about it, what do you think the saints of God are seeing? Listen, salvation, you can spot. Salvation shouts out. Okay? You know why? The easiest part? Holy Spirit's kind of a big guy. In case you were wondering. He's everywhere all at once. Which means the spirit in a Christian in Moscow is the same spirit with the Christian of the Apostle Paul is the same spirit that was in Peter, was in the same one in Polycarp, the same one in Charles Spurgeon, was in Jonathan Edwards, it was in Stephen Olford, in Dr. MacArthur, and is in me. And if my spirit in me, not the spirit of Terry, the spirit of the living God, can't sense the spirit in you, what do you suppose is going on with that picture? The Holy Spirit tells me a very simple phrase. Lights are on and nobody's home. Because faith is seen. What you put your faith in today, I see. I guarantee it. Okay, and if you struggle with your position in Christ right now, you should probably. You probably should. Okay? Here was a statement I asked in our Sunday school class. Do you feel like you're as godly as Paul? To the person in that room. Nope. What's wrong with that? You are saved as Paul is. You are as godly as Paul. And the new covenant says so. Christian, you should want to honor Christ. You should want to honor Christ with your words, your actions, your attitude, your nature, everything you do. You should want to honor the Spirit of God. You should want to bring the Word of God bold and clear before the face of all men. And let me tell you something. None of those are natural longings. None of those are of natural man. Natural man has absolutely no understanding of the things of God. Well, but golly, I remember when I prayed this prayer, I walked this aisle, I got baptized, I did this. It was was emotional and it was everything else. But you know what? Right now, that person just ain't living right. 
didn't take. I need to do it again and again and again and again. Nobody on their way to heaven. Listen. Nobody is on their way to heaven who does not manifest holiness. Period. End of argument. There should be a manifestation for the love of what is right. Jeremiah 31, 33 says this too. Um, This is a covenant I'm going to make with you. And again, he uses that same phrase. I'll be devoted to them and they'll be devoted to me. I, they will be my people. I will be their God. Is it correct? But it literally means in the Hebrew, they are devoted. Those people are devoted to me and I'm devoted to them. Let me ask you a question. Can you say this day you are devoted to God? Yeah, I got a part B to my question. If you are devoted to God, how can I not see it? Okay, not just me. I'm using me because I'm the one up here. But if you are devoted to God, how can anybody not see it? I don't understand that. That mind, that's, oh yeah, I don't get it. Why? You have a new heart. The Spirit of God dwells you. I mean, anywhere, let's, let's be realistic. I am a husband and a father. Some of you guys are married. Some of you shouldn't be. No, just kidding. All right, some of you are not. But let's be realistic, men. Okay, I don't know nothing about women, but I do know about men. There are things that you have thought, you have maybe even done, have coursed through your thinking processes that you would never share with your wife. And if you disagree with me with that today, you're lying. Okay? All right? Do you know what's bizarre about that? You know what's bizarre about that? God knows them. God knows the words that come out of your mouth before the words come out. That's how I can spot a Christian. You know that he says, I will put my law in their hearts. They'll be devoted to me. You know what he goes on and says in 33? Verse 30, Jeremiah 31, 30. Just, you can look it up later. He says, I won't have to hold them to an external law. That's why the Apostle Paul, remember when we were studying uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians? All things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. Okay? Why? I won't have to hold them to an external law. Why? It's going to be all over their heart. Why? I put the heart. Whose heart? His heart. It will be all over their desires. It will be all over their longings. It will be the joy of them. The joy of them. You know, one of the things that brings me the greatest joy, I think the thing that brings me the single, the thing that makes me the happiest, the thing that excites me the most, the thing that just over, wow, this is going to be so cool. Is the word of God. And you know what? There's times when I go to this thing. And I don't know about you. Maybe you guys don't have this problem. There's times when I go look at this thing. And it just hurts me. Okay. I mean it just hurts me. It pokes at me. It in, oh, there's times when I read it. And I'm thinking. Gee me crickets. 
What was I thinking I was going to have fun this morning? Okay? Because there's times when I read and I think, oh, gee me. We sang some songs this morning. Shout to the Lord. We sing holy, holy, holy. Is that the echo of your heart? Or is it just something we're supposed to do before we sit down and listen to Terry talk? I have another verse for you. Let's conclude the gospel. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. This is an amazing text. This is so overlooked because we want to understand the seven churches and we want to understand them seven years and all the rest of it. Okay? Remember, John's on the island of Patmos. He's in exile. And Jesus says, John, it's time to be my secretary. Take a memo. Verse 5 says this, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Amen, right? Firstborn from the dead. Amen, right? The ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen, amen, amen. Love that, don't you? To him who loves us. Whoa, the wheelbarrow is full. And what? Mine says ED on the end of released. Sure's. You know what that means? Past tense. It's already happened. He has released us from whose sins? See, we get so worried. I guess it kind of goes with that thing I seen on Friday night or heard about on Friday night. I'm going to look at it here. Okay? We're so worried about getting everybody else released from sin. And I see so many who do not live a life released from their own sin. Their own sin. I see Christians walking around guilty. Some need to. Don't get me wrong. Some need to. But it says He has released us. Listen, when you wallow in your sin and you pursue sin and you chase after sin, you're saying the cross ain't good enough for you. That's bad news. That gets you in trouble. I'll give you another text. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. We are the true circumcision. Now I want you to think, I need you to ask this. You got to say, this is for you. Here we go now. Okay. Now we always talk about, Philippians, that's that joy ladder. Joy, 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 joy. Okay. If you want to be happy, then read Philippians. Okay. Better ask yourself where Paul is when he's writing this. Because he, God may make you happy. <laughs> All right? Here's what it says. We're the true circumcisions. How do you know if a person is saved? Look what it says. Who worship in spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Uh, is it any more plain? 
do I know if a person is saved? Philippians 3, 3, mark it. How do I know if a person is... You know, I used to say, go to 1 John, and everybody said, well, God, there's six chapters, and i got to read all... Now, never mind, I'm going to make it as easy as I can for you. Philippians 3, 3 says, you who are saved, what? Worship God, the Spirit of God. And where do you get your joy, your fullness, your happiness? You're overwhelmed with the things. Where, where do you find your happiness? In Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. If you're finding your happiness is in people, programs, music, then it just go through the list. Jobs, job security, retirement, spouses, children, grandchildren. Oh, my God. Anyway, new cars, old cars, new motorcycles, faster cars, slower cars, more fuel efficient, whatever it is. We worship all kinds of things. If that's where you find your enjoyment, guess what? You're not saved. You're not saved. I don't say that to hurt you. I say that because the delusion you're under is condemning you forever and ever. Salvation is evident to all men. You have been released from sin. You are no longer under the rule of sin. You are no longer lied to. I mean, you're no longer under the bondage of the lie. You're going to always be lied to. Golly, is it? This ain't complicated. Why do we make it so complicated? Well, I don't want to hurt no feelings. You know what? When you say that, you're saying their eternal damnation is irrelevant to me. It ain't that big a deal. Listen, here's what's amazing. I've been the senior pastor of this church for going on 12 years. I've had three people in this church say, if you ever see me in a sin, would you confront me? Three. Should be the passion of every child of God. If you see me step into something in ignorance, would you tell me? Well, I want to hurt nobody's feeling. Then damn them. Send them to a place of eternal destruction. That'd be fine. Why? You didn't hurt their feelings. Do you see how bizarre we've gotten in our thinking? I see people who take the name of my Savior who live a life of horrifying sin and they have no conscience. It doesn't bother them. And Christians say, well, I don't want to say nothing to them because they might be offended. They're going to be really offended when they see Jesus Christ and he says, away from me. I don't have a clue who you are. That's worse. That's worse. We don't have to be a bunch of Pharisees. We don't have to run around smacking everybody. But all you have to do is look around the brethren and ask them, what is it that you worship? This text is not that complicated. You worship the Spirit of God and the glory of Jesus Christ, and I put no confidence in my faith, my flesh. Why do we put confidence in our flesh? Think about what we do. Golly, in the church. What do we do? 
Ask yourself, a God-blessed church today looks like what? Man's flesh. That's what it looks like. Really? Think about it. What is contemporary worship? Where is that in my Bible? Where is blended worship? What is traditional worship? You will spurt worship in spirit and truth. Who gets exalted? Word of God because He is God. What would you do if you went to church and there was no music? Well, we didn't worship. How can you worship if there ain't no piano or guitar or whatever? I want to know who the music minister for the Apostle Paul was. Do you know who the worship leader for the church, the first church in Jerusalem was? I do. James, Jesus' brother. Half-brother. You know who the worship leader in this church is? Me. Why? There's only one way you're going to worship, and it ain't going to be me singing a hymn. It's spirit and it's truth. What do I deliver? Song. Word of God. And if you don't worship through that, you're not saved. You're not saved. And I I don't say that to offend people. But I watch us here, Castle Rock Baptist Church, go through all the systems and we go through trials, we go through tribulations, go through this heartache, I can't believe this is happening. Well, what about this or what about that? What about this or what about this? And I hear all of this stuff and all I can think of is, oh my God, have we missed it? Have we missed it? I'm on the altar of Jesus Christ. Why? That is my act of spiritual worship. Here I am, Jesus. Do you rejoice? Do you worship? Do you long to know God? Do you long to honor God? Are you overwhelmed with an insatiable appetite to know the mind of God, the will of God, the desire of God in your heart? Should it, is it the first thing you think about and the last thing you think about? Is He coursing your consciousness all day long? Do you know His Word? Do you have evidence of a new life? We always like to recite, Well, you know, I've been saved by grace through faith. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and they're not of myself. That's right, but you were created in His likeness unto what? Good works that He preordained. Okay? You know what that means? Your salvation is visible to me. And all the other saints that you will have dealings with. Why? Because he had good works and he had them planned and he had you designed for them. And he says, I will carry them out through you. Remember, faith without works is dead. Listen, that is not a stagnant believer. Please understand it. That is a non believer. That is a non believer. That's all it is. It's a non believer. Okay? Where are you at? Where are you at? Please. Don't worry about where I'm at. Don't worry about where your spouse is, your kids. Don't worry about that. Where are you at? Do you have a new heart? Are the statutes of God, the Word of God, your new heart? 
Is it your spirit who drives you? Or is it God's spirit? What is the thing you think about the most? What is the thing you dwell upon the most, meditate on, whatever term you want to use? That's why I don't like the word mentoring. God doesn't say mentor. He says disciple. And there must have been a reason he said that and didn't use mentoring. Why do we believe that the ways of men are better than the ways of God? Let me tell you something. You who are here today, I know well enough to know what I've seen. Okay? If you're struggling today with your position in Christ, know that I've seen it. Okay? Listen, it ain't because I'm this deep theologian. It ain't any of those reasons. It's just the two reasons that I've been going on the last five weeks. True children of God have been delivered from the lie to truth. The true children of God have been delivered from sin to righteousness. The true children of God put no confidence in the flesh. None. And let me tell you something. In the day and age that we live in right now, you can spot that. A mile away. Do you know that you've been delivered from the lie to truth? Then do you believe it? Do you know that you have been delivered from sin? Please understand that. Your sin. You've been delivered from your sin. And you've been placed in Christ's righteousness. Do you know that? You believe it? Because those of you who do, do know that and do believe it, I see it. You know why? Because you worship in the Spirit of God and you glory in Christ Jesus. And you put no confidence in your own flesh. And I can spot that a mile away. Because that is completely against what the world promotes. And what I mean by the world today, I'm talking about the worldly church. No, I ain't talking about Jehovah's Witness or the Mormons or the Catholics or anything like that. I'm talking about the evangelical church today is so stinking deceived, she has no clue what that text right there means. She hasn't got a clue. And that's a tragedy. That single truth shows me that we're near the end of the age culmination of all things I ain't worried about what's going on in Jerusalem or Baghdad or whatever else I, I got, I, God's got that thing covered I read it but I look at the condition of the bride of Christ and the bride of Christ who has the greatest influence on the globe today is the United States and the bride, the bride in the United States today is the most haughty that she's ever been in the history of mankind she has more pride right now than Lucifer and she is under condemnation. Don't ever kid yourself. Let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for your word. And Father, the surety of your truth. 
Father, I thank you for hearts of flesh. Father, I thank you for hearts who are sensitive to your leading, to your ways, to your wills, to your purity. Father, that you have literally your people who hang on every word of God. Father, for your people who strive and long and desire you, your person, your purposes, your pleasures. Father, for those who struggle this day, Father, may the freedom be now. Open their eyes that they may see. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for drawing us together. Father, I thank you for placing us in this country where at this point we are free. But Father, let us grow. Let us grow in your word. Let us grow in understanding. Father, let us grow in your holiness. And Father, may we decrease and you increase. Father, may we walk worthy. Give us power from the most high God. Father, may the spirit that is seen in us be only the spirit of the living God. Father, we give you the praise, even now, knowing that you are victorious over us and the enemy. In Christ's name.